Chris? All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly. Hey, so today, today's all about Gen Z's. And I got to, at the open, just disclose that I'm biased because I have two Gen, key, uh, Gen Z kids. So, of course, um, as a you know proud dad, uh, I'm very interested in this group and this cohort and what's happening. So I've I've been only kind of fairly recently digging in to see what the heck is going on with this with this whole cohort. And the more I look into it, the more I see Gen Zs are having a rough time. It is not easy for Gen Zs now. Before every other generation starts saying, oh, boo -hoo -hoo, it wasn't easy for us being baby boomers. Boo -hoo -hoo, it wasn't easy for us to be Gen Xers or millennials. I, look, I'm not pitting one group against the other. Every, every, you know, every group is different, unique. Even, even the way you designate millennials, Gen Zs, it's sort of arbitrary in the years. But, but let's, for the sake of this conversation, you know, I'm not praising or denigrating any other generation. I just selfishly, I want to know what's going on in this group because this is my case. And I imagine there are a lot of Gen Zs on LinkedIn and social media who will be watching this. A lot of parents who have Gen Zs. In fact, Jeff Altman hit me up saying, hey, my son, you know, is a Gen Z and he's in New York and he can't, you know, the costs are just outrageous. So I think this this really hits home to a lot of people to, from both the parents and both the Gen Zs about what's going on. And just to jump right into it, and th this is, you know, I did a whole lot of research into it and different studies, spoke with folks at different places such as ENY and PWC and other organizations just to get a get a sense of what, what's going on. And the biggest thing is they're they're anxious, they're worried about the future. They're worried about their finances. They're concerned about finding a job. They're scared of losing their jobs, seeing all these layoffs. They're worried about high inflation, high costs, and then figure out how am I going to just make it in this world? How can I graduate from college, have this heavy tuition burden, sometimes could be hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you look at new place like New York City with the average rent is about 4,000, 5,000 a month, which to be fair, when you say average, they're gonna have you know multi-million dollar apartments and things like that. But needless to say, it's freaking expensive. It's expensive. And then they will, you know, are concerned too, how can we pay off our student loans? Within a couple of years, they're gonna be off their parents' uh, health plans. So they have to pay for that. With high inflation and high costs, just the daily living is really super expensive. So, so there's this kind of toxic brew of, of issues where just coming out of the gate that this, this, this group has to deal with. Now, you could say other groups had to deal with it as well, yes. But it does seem particularly this area because with the crazy high inflation, with what's going on in the Middle East, what's happening with Ukraine, what's happening with you know, layoffs after layoffs, it, it seems particularly they're getting beat up all over the place. 
I mean, so far, Christine, like, have you seen it? Because I know you have your family with all sorts of different, you know, generations under one roof. Have, have you noticed that the gen is different than others in your family, let's say, in your friend group? I've seen it. And there's also data to to back it up as well. Um, according to like a McKinsey study that was last year, they said that Gen Z faces an unprecedented behavioral health crisis and Zoomers in America reported the least positive outlook and the highest level of mental illness of any generation. That's frightening, isn't it? That, that's like so frightening. Think about it, that they're worried, you know, that their mental health really is at stake. And how can it not be, right? Where, you know, you see this just political rancor, like no, you can see no, like no one gets along in politics. Everyone's fighting with each other all the time. In in social media, everybody's on each other's throat. In real life, you know, if, if you're worried about going into New York City or San Francisco, you have to worry about you know random acts of violence. You have to worry about you know aggressive homeless people who don't have their the appropriate medication, and you don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's kind of dirty. It smells of weed. Right, it's this toxic brew that that that's all mixes together, and to me, how can you not be adversely impacted with yeah. your mental health and emotional emotional well being? Right. Yeah, and and financially, in an ENY study, seventy percent said that they their financial situations were not looking good as well. Because what we're yeah, and it makes sense because what I'm seeing from the recruiting space. Well, for white collar professionals, it's it's really difficult. There's there's not a whole lot of jobs out there. Companies really aren't aggressively hiring, um, and they're not hiring because they're also worried about the future. They're worried about the uncertainty. They're concerned about what's going on with inflation and high rates. So similar to what is going on with Gen Zs, these companies also are saying, "Hey." we're worried, we're scared, we don't know what's going to happen. So think about it. Picture it as a company, as an individual. If you're worried about the future, if you're scared about what's going to go on, if you, you don't know what's going to go on, if you're thinking there might be a recession, if you think there's going to be really troubles ahead, if you think there's going to be World War III, if you're an individual or a corporation, you're not going to be like, let's spend money, let's hire like crazy, let's do this new division, let's roll out this new product. No, right? You're going to just withdraw and say, hey, I'm going to hold on to every cent I have just in case. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to store up food and cans <laughs> in the house just in case. We're going to just cut costs to, to as much as we can. And if we need to hire, well, we're going to make sure that this person has to be amazing. They have to be, a, they walk on water. They're fantastic. They're brilliant. Plus we can get them super cheap. Otherwise, we're going to keep looking. A big frustration for Gen Z is also entry-level jobs, even though their entry level will require like three to five years of experience. So I know that's a big frustration for them where they're like, how can I get experience if you won't give me the experience? Christine, I got to tell you, you just hit like a nerve for me <laughs> because, you know, it's always been that way, right? It's always been that cliche. How do I get a job if I don't have a job? How do I get experience if I don't have experience? It's always been. But now, more than ever, it seems that it's to the next level. Because when my kids are looking for jobs and their friends, you know, being intellectually curious, I'm like, all right, let me see. So I start looking for, you know, going, let's say, going into LinkedIn 
and doing a you know search for entry level jobs for whatever it might be data analytics and business finance what have you and sure enough just as you're saying christine you'll see two years three years four years five years of experience and it's like that's so unreal it's almost like a meme right on online when they ask for like 10 years experience in some technology that's only three years old it's, yeah right it's this it's similar it's ridiculous so we want five years of experience for some some kid who just got out of school a year or two ago that's like what are you doing and i think and tell me if this makes sense chris i think there's because that still there's a overhang from the from from covid and the pandemic where you know in 2020 2021 you had all these like people who are displaced and they were looking for jobs. And then you had older people who older could be 30s or 40s who were displaced. So I think now when they're looking, you know, when companies are looking to hire, you don't have that graduating class just to choose from. You have that, you know, the current graduating class, last year's graduating class, the year before's class, the year before that. And then all these other millions of people who've been displaced, who have lots of experience, who will just take a junior job because they just want a job. So it becomes just just in, almost incredibly insane to find a good job. Would you recommend that Gen Z applies for those jobs that require three three years of experience? At, at, at this rate, I would encourage Gen Zs do whatever the F you have to do to get that job. It doesn't matter at this point because it's 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 so hard. And I don't want to come across as a doomer. But I just want to be transparent that this is a challenge. And once again, this is not just specific to Gen Zs in particular. I mean, they're going through, I think, a little harder because they're starting out their career and hitting brick walls, you know, but, you know, Gen Xs, boomers, you know, others, millennials, they all have, you know, similar kind of, you know, problems as well. You know, you go on LinkedIn and you'll see 100 people applied for the job, 200 people applied for their jobs. You're like, gosh. Should I even bother? But I think you got to do what you have to do. And I've uh, talked about this on a different podcast where these two guys, these two partners came up with a, with, with a, a, a kind of a software thing where they could, where they could submit thousands of applicants applications and kind of overnight where instead of having to write out an application and submit it one by one, they're flooding all these companies with their applications and resumes because it's so hard to find something. They're figuring, hey, I'm just going to spray and pray. I'm, I'm going to just have the shotgun, send it everywhere, and hopefully it sticks, which for most people say that's nuts. But that's, to me, more showing the desperation people have and the frustration they have. And, and, and they're willing to just do the, anything at this point in time to get noticed. Have you seen that, Chris? Or yeah, and also I think even for being young kids, I think they said like forty percent of Gen Z they work a job and a side hustle mm -hmm. just ends me, which is which is crazy. Yeah, it's yeah the side hustle. Then also in the wings, they have to worry about AI because even though the narrative is oh AI won't take your job. You know, tech always has new tech and it always gets better. Well, sometimes, yeah, maybe sometimes not. And with AI, maybe this time is different. I don't know. 
But if you have kind of entry-level jobs, the whole pitch from AI is like for these rote repetitious jobs, we could use AI. And think about it for a lot of entry-level positions, they are kind of rote and rep, you know, you're not doing that high level C-suite stuff when you start out, you're doing more junior stuff. So those seem to be the type of jobs that could easily be play, replaced by AI. So you have to worry about that. Plus, think about it. It'd be one thing if they didn't see over the last, you know, 2022 to 2023, let's say the tech space, for an example, they had 250,000 layoffs. That's just in tech alone in 2023. So when you're a Gen Z and you see that, that got to mess with your mental health. And like, whoa, in this just one sector alone, all these people were laid off and I'm just starting. What chance do I have? And that becomes a scary prospect because you think, am I ever going to find a job? You know, am I ever going to get up, you know, you know, just, just get my life together? You know what I mean? What would you suggest Gen Z do um, moving forward? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I would say first, firstly, they would need to understand that and get, hey, maybe the deck is a little stacked against me right now, but there's not many alternatives, meaning you can't just say, woe is me, I give up, put the covers over your head and don't do anything. So you have to say, all right, <clears throat> this is going to be tough. I'm going to have to really try hard. And when it comes looking for you know, a job, be self-critical and think of, hey, what skills do I have? What's my background? What's my experience? What do I bring to the table? What's something that I have that maybe other people don't have? And then try to leverage that as much as possible. If maybe you graduated with a degree that's not in much demand, and I'm not, and don't think I'm making fun or teasing anybody when I say this. So let's say you graduated with, you know, uh, some some kind of major that's just X Y Z studies or anthropology or things that really may not lend itself to getting a job right away, perhaps think of like, hey, maybe I should either go back to school or maybe say, take some credentials, some courses, uh, it, whatever it takes to kind of learn a new skill that's marketable. You know, look to see what's hot, what's going. For instance, I've spoken to a lot of people who were telling me about cybersecurity is really hot and they can't find enough people. Now, I to be fair, I don't know how hard it is to start with cybersecurity, but I know I spoke with the uh, people at Salesforce and I spoke to the people at Cisco and Google, and they all have these certificates and credentials. And I'm not chilling for these companies. I'm just do, I do my homework for these things. I know I'll make it sound like I'm just doing it off the cuff, but I really do do a deep dive. So I know what I'm talking about. So they offer these credentials to kind of get your foot in the door. So I would take a look at those and say, hey, if it's not working with my major now, whatever it may be, let me say, let me see what's hot, what jobs are hiring, and how can I maybe get it a certain credential, a certificate, what have you, to, to move into that area. 
Then also you could look at jobs and, and a lot of people are going to roll their eyes at me. Maybe so, anything that involves sales because sales has this like icky connotation to it, but there are always sales jobs open because it's hard to do. It's hard to be a salesperson, but maybe if you have that attribute, if you're gregarious, if you're persuasive, and you could find a lot of jobs within sales that maybe align with what you're interested in. Maybe you're interested in, in fashion. So that could be something like, oh, all right, I'll sell in that area. You might be interested in the stock market. So maybe you want to kind of be a, a stockbroker and so forth. So this is going to be a time where you have to really take a step back and say, the way things were maybe with other generations or different times where it was much easier to find a job, the economy was much better, you know, it wasn't high inflation, all these high costs. Now it's harder. So I have to kind of figure out what can I do? You can't give up because the more time goes by, you fall behind. So you got to keep moving forward. And even if it's taking this job, we talked about this in another episode about bridge jobs. Maybe even you just take a job that you're not, it's not your perfect job. It's not a job that you love, but it's a job that you could just get some money coming in. You get out of the house, meet some new people, and then maybe that could turn into something else and to you know, and grow your career from there. Does that does that make sense, Chris? Is that? Yeah. What would you say to people, uh, Gen Z, who's currently, you know, working remotely? Would you advise for them to like go into the office to to make sure their bosses see them and socialize with them? hundred percent. I mean, this is, you know, uh, a lot of people will hate me for saying this, but I would definitely suggest go into the office as much as possible, even if it's five days a week, even if the commute is long. And the reason is this, there's a proximity bias so that if you're in the office and people see you and you're a go-to person, but you can't just go to the office to just check in. You can't just be, you'd swipe your card, come in, walk around, have your coffee, and then skedaddle and go back home. No, that's not what I mean by going to the office. You want to go in the office and you want to make sure that you become that go-to person in your space, that if you're given a project, you exceed expectations. You don't give up. You make it happen. You deliver the goods. And if you do that on a consistent basis, People will respect you, especially compared if you're only there's only, let's say, a handful ish of people in your group who are in the office and the rest are at home, you're going to stand out. They're going to notice you. And if they notice you, the odds are when there's a cool project, a good assignment, maybe a promotions in the wings, they're more likely to give it to the person who's there, who's who's just doing it and, and, and pushing along every day, all the time, as opposed to somebody who's either hybrid or just remote, and they don't really see the person. So they don't really know the person. They really don't know what they're doing. They're not sure how much they're contributing. Maybe, especially for some older bosses, they, you know, there, there's a prejudice. They think, hey, if you're home, you're just, just goofing off and not doing anything. So yeah, I would say, get to the office, with the caveat, you're not just there to hang out. You're going there 
to make a name for yourself, to build a brand for yourself, that you're that Christine or Jack brand that I could trust Christine or Jack. They're going to be in the office. They're going to get things done. They'll be in early if they need. They'll be in late if you need them there because it's a trade-off. By doing that, you're going to hold on to your job and then you're going to advance and you're going to stand out among your peers. What advice do you have for Gen Z parents? Because I imagine it can't be easy for Gen Z who's facing all of these challenges and you have parents kind of breathing down your neck, like, why haven't you gotten a job yet? So what would you tell parents? One of the reasons why I wanted to do this one, this this you know episode, is actually a lot for parents. Because if you're not paying attention, you don't know. And if... You're a parent, let's say, you know, you're a, a Gen X parent or baby boomer parent of, of a Gen Z, you may not realize what's going on. You're you're thinking of how it was back in the day when you were getting a job. Like someone said to to someone I know, uh, you know, Gen Z kid, oh, just go to such and such place and knock on the door and give him your resume. Okay. I mean, fine. That's kind of old school advice but it really doesn't work. It's not like that anymore. So I, I would say for the parents, no particular order. Number one, do some homework to see what is going on in this space. And in the comments in the, of, of when, you know, for, you know, uh, putting on this, you know, the, this episode, I put in a couple of articles uh, that I wrote. You could take a look at that and some other, you know, stats just to get you started. And then over the weekend, I posted a number of different Gen Z related content, both on Twitter slash X and uh, LinkedIn. And you could just check it out through Jack Kelly and you could look at my timeline and you'll see. So I wanted to make it easy. So for parents who want to just get a sense of like, what is really going on to do? So this way you do your homework and you get an understanding of what's happening in this space. And to your point, Chris, because if parents don't do that, they're just going to presume, you know, hey, Johnny, why aren't you getting a job? What's wrong with you? You're just, you know, playing video games all day long and smoking weed with your friends. Get, come on. What are you doing? Stop it. So they'll, they'll, they'll just lash out and feel that their kids aren't, you know, working hard to get a job or think that, well, you know, they're just goofing off and so forth. But if they do know what's happening, if they do understand what's really going on in the job market and the frustrations and the challenges that they're faced, they could be more empathetic to their kids. Because if you have a Gen Z kid who can't find a job, of course, they're going to feel bad about themselves. They're going to feel awkward. They're going to feel like they're a loser at times. And then there's always going to be within a friend group, someone who's doing fantastic. Now you're like, wow, this person's doing great. What the hell's wrong with me? So I think parents have to go out of their way to reassure their kids and speak with them and understand what they're going through. Because it's easy, as you pointed out at the beginning of the show, about that they're dealing with anxiety, Gen Z's, anxiousness, stress, pressure, mental health issues. So you don't want to make it worse. So if you're just going to yell at them and lambast them for not getting a job, 
and say, when I was your age, you know, I did this and I at this age, I had this job and I had 20 kids and five houses and whatever, you know, you don't want to make them feel really bad about themselves. So you have to understand what's going on in this particular marketplace for Gen Z's, what they're, what they're going through. And then you want to be supportive. You want to be there for them. And then you want to help them any way you can. You know, uh, you could be a great networking person for your kids to see, hey, who do you know at what companies that you can make an introduction? You know, I, you know, we say this a lot in terms of finding a job for any age is to tap into your network and see who knows who and who could put you in the right place. Similarly, the parents could take a look and say, hey, who do we know with, within our group that maybe is hiring and, and point, you know, our kids and kids' friends into that right direction. Do you think that Gen Z is sabotaging their future careers by going on TikTok and complaining about the workplace or broadcasting their participating in trends like bare minimum Mondays? I think that attitude is, that mindset and attitude is really a self-sabotage because if if you're going in basically with the idea, I'm just going to act my a, my wage and I'm going to do the bare minimum and I'm not going to go that extra step, people aren't dumb. You know, the managers, the supervisors, peers, colleagues, they're going to see what you're doing. They're going to see that you're just quiet quitting. You're just dragging your feet. And it's never going to go well because especially in a tough time, where there are layoffs and downsizings, what are they going to do? They're going to look for the person who's just screwing around, who's not really working, who's trying to take advantage of everything and thinking they're smarter than everyone else because they're slacking and they think no one's noticing, but they do notice. They do notice. So for those who are doing it, two things. It's not helpful to your career, nor is it helpful to your mental health. Because if you're programming yourself to say, I'm just going to, you know, screw this company, hell with this company. You know, the, the, the CEO, the executives are getting all the money. I'm not getting any money, really. This is not fair. And if you have that mindset, I'm not saying you're wrong in that thinking that that's happening because it is happening, you know, where the CEOs are getting millions and millions of dollars and the work is not so much. So it is, it's true for the, a lot of the times. However, if you carry that with you, that kind of victim mentality, you're not going to help yourself because then it's going to be this overhang of, well, I'm not going to work hard because I'm not getting the millions of dollars or I'm not going to go that extra distance. Screw them. They could do it. It's, it's never going to work out for you if you have that because down the road, people are going to say, I'm not going to hire Jack because he just just does the bare minimum. He doesn't go the extra. He's bitter. He's he's resentful. I I rather not have him on my team. I rather have somebody who is motivated, who is positive, who's ambitious, and who could reconcile. Even though the CEOs are making multi millions of dollars, and I'm not, I can't worry about what's in their pocket, what's in their wallet, what's in their bank account. I have to worry for myself. I have to worry about, am I progressing in my career? Am I growing? Am I learning? Am I building a, a skill stack to grow on? 
and to kind of take my career to that next level and just block everything out. Now, on the other on the other side, Christine, when you're talking about the TikToks, you know, I like to think that a lot of them are doing it because it's it's they do feel cheated by the system, but at the same time, they have they're creative, and this is a creative outlet outlet. So if they're doing it not just for the sake of complaining, but they're doing it because they feel it's it's creative, it's it's you're sharing some skill that you have to show. And then maybe you're even thinking, this is something I could turn into a career. You could, I could be a social media guru. I could work for some big, large organization and do social media for them. So this is kind of my way of having a portfolio. So if you're doing it with the intent of maybe just getting things off your chest or just maybe highlighting certain issues, that's, that's fine. But if you really take that whole ethos of, you know, everything sucks, everything is terrible, I'm just going to just just be a cyber slacker all day long. That's not going to help you. Oh, you get a, a sip. <laughs> yeah. So so here's another thing that, that I want to talk about too, is that there's such misconceptions, I think, about, you know, Gen Zs. Uh, you know, I think every generation, the generation before is like, well, you don't know what we did. We had to, you know, walk uphill ten miles and downhill ten miles without any shoes when it's snowing. And look how easy you have. They're always like, you know, you're always going to hear those stories. But I think, and then they, and then, and then they say that because they want to say, you have it so easy now. You have this FaceTime book, the Instagram, Twitter. You have everything at your disposal. We never had that. So you have it fortunate. How can you complain? But there's such misconceptions. Give me an example. I wrote about this piece where this uh, young woman was, you know, kind of crying, having a little, little bit of a breakdown that um, um, first job out, she was appreciative that she has a job, but has to wake up at six-ish in the morning, be in the office, coming home by 7.30-ish, and it was just saying, wait a minute. And going back to parents, maybe they should have guided like what to expect. Like, how, how do I have a life? How do I date? How do I make friends? How do I go to the gym? And, and, and really just kind of falling apart, thinking like, how am I going to do this? Now, what kind of offended me is you would have people of my generation, Gen X's and other generations kind of dunking on this person with like, Hey, I did this for 20 years. So what are you complaining about? Stop being such a complainer and cry, baby. Ooh, boo hoo hoo. You got to work. And I felt like, wait, just because you did something for 20 years. And I did that for 20 years, commuting back and forth. And it was terrible, but I never, it, it didn't even occur to me that we could do something different until the pandemic happened. You realize, wait, it doesn't have to be this way. So I think that young lady, it's not, she's complaining or whining. In my opinion, it's more of just citing, wait a minute. This doesn't seem to make much sense. There gotta be a better way to have a life and work balance. It doesn't seem logical that you get up, got to go when it's dark out, commute into the city, be there all day long under these harsh fluorescent lights in a cubicle, and then 
it's dark again at night coming home. You're exhausted. You can't eat healthily because you're just shot and you can't make dinner and you're ordering out. And now it's expensive because you're ordering out and you're not getting the healthiest food. So you're, you're not, you know, that's not helpful. And then you're not going to the gym or exercising or taking a walk or jog or whatever, because you're just shot and tired. So it's realistic to say, you know, hey, these are serious, real issues. You know, as a grown ass adult, I remember, you know, coming home, commuting back and forth. You know, I used to live in Manhattan. It was very easy to get to an office. Then when I had one kid, two kids go to the suburbs, commuting in, I felt like her. It's like, I'm shot. I'm exhausted. I get home, plop on the, you know, eat dinner, wolf down some dinner, plop on the couch because I'm, I'm exhausted. And I just do the hamster wheel the next day. So I think what it's a misconception saying they're lazy when a person is just pointing out, hey, there got to be a better way. This doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem like normal or rational where you're just constantly on this wheel and it's not great for your health at all, your mental health, physical health, emotional health. So, so one of the misconceptions is like, they're lazy. It's not lazy. I think they're just asking the questions of, well, how should the workplace be? You know, shouldn't, maybe it should be more flexible. Maybe it's hybrid for some people. Maybe it's being a digital nomad. Maybe it's a four-day work week. Maybe it's abbreviated, you know, days. You don't have to be, you know, working eight hours a day. Maybe you work four hours, you get your work done, and then you take off for the rest. I think that's 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 not lazy. I think that's really smart to say, hey, just because we've done it one way for so long doesn't mean we have to keep doing it. And maybe we should start thinking about doing different things that 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 make it better for for employees and workers. Does that make sense, Chris? One hundred percent. I'm a millennial, so I'm used to getting dumped on. We're in we're lazy. I was the product of two immigrant <laughs> parents. I didn't right. get the opportunity to be lazy or entitled. I had to grow up very fast, but I 100% agree with everything you just said. Mm -hmm. Older generations, they worked hard. They did what they were told to do, and they feel like they paid their dues, and they just think that we're lazy and entitled, whereas Gen Z and millennials they're like, well, why do we have to do it this way? Because it's always been done this way. They're measuring their productivity and success in different ways. And I think when you hear them dunk on younger generations, it's almost like a little bitterness because there's like a rejection of like their workplace values. And, you know, young generations, especially Gen Z, they don't strive to be billionaires. They find billionaires to be socially unconscionable and it gives them the ick. And I'm generalizing. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like older generations are like, well, I had it hard and you have to have it hard too. And that's weird because don't you want your kids to have it better than how you had it? But then when that's the case, you say they're lazy or entitled and you remind them how they don't know how easy they have it, but wasn't that the goal? But yet we punish them for it. As a millennial, like I didn't, to be fair, I, I, I wasn't like, so like right now I'm, I'm very interested in Gen Z's because my kids, mm -hmm. so millennials, I didn't really like, didn't focus on it. How was it? Did you get the same, you know, grief 
like, oh, oh you're you get a trophy. Everyone gets a trophy. Was that <laughs> part of like what, Parti- what happened? Yes, participation trophy. Yeah. These millennials, they're coming in, they're getting promotions. They're lazy. I, like sometimes in the office, like some candidates would call up and then just be like commiserating about their their millennial um like colleagues and stuff and you know we were blamed for ruining like housing and because we leaned in so hard on roommates we ruined like the housing market (laughs) just like everything (laughs) so it's all millennials fault is that yeah it's all millennial I yeah. at one point I had like a folder of screenshots of every headline that just dumped on millennials because it was just so ridiculous. I, re- I I vaguely remember, yeah, like you know, same thing, dunking on millennials, but like I didn't really care that much. Not that mm-hmm. I don't like or didn't. It just you know what I wasn't as focused. My kids weren't millennials, so I you know what I mean. It wasn't really yeah. front and center for me. It was just like oh, go in one ear out the other ear kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Here's just another thing, like they say for, I don't know if they said this for millennials, but for Gen Z's, they definitely get labeled where lack of communication skills, um, just addicted to technology, uh, you know, things of that nature, moving back home. Um, what do you, what do you think of that? Are those, are those just reasonable things given what's happening or, 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 or is there's some problem? Uh, there is a problem, I think, when it comes to communication skills and mm. interpersonal skills. They've lived their lives online, and it's come at the cost of those yeah. interpersonal and communication skills. I have a Gen Z brother, and whenever he would want like Chinese or pizza, he'll be like, can you order it? And I'm like, no, you have to get on the phone, and you have to order it. I had to show him like tough love because he needed to like practice those <laughs> communication skills and I I don't think there's anything wrong with um moving back home if that's the best thing for you then I would advise that you'll be able to save some money and I think it all just goes back to parents and their understanding of the whole situation yeah and to me from the outside and again I'll kind of generalize but how often have you seen parents who, who for now are the Gen Z's growing up, you're at a restaurant and you just give them an iPad or you give them a phone and this way, and then you just ignore them and they're just on there and that's it. And then fast forward, you have COVID and for almost three years, you're kind of locked away. You, you know, you lose your social circle of friends. You're kind of isolated. And then you become addicted to social media because what else are you going to do? And then you blame them for being addicted, <laughs> for being addicted to technology and not having good communication skills. But how can you have good communication skills if you're locked off from all your friends for, for literally for two, at least two years, if not more? So of course that's going to happen, right? I mean, it's not their fault. And then when you say moving back home, well, how? What are they supposed to do if you have huge, you know, college loans that you have to pay off and everything is super expensive? You know, from the rent to getting a car to getting having a phone, getting insurance, like it's almost impossible. So you need to go back home. Right? Am I like in a crazy world? I mean, these things just seem so logical. Like, how can people, you know, you know, like point their fingers at them and chastise them for it, where these are just these, these are the facts that 
it all played out this way. And I think colleges don't do enough to prepare you for the real world. No. And I remember interviewing someone and I asked them like what their strengths are. And they said, mm. I don't have any. And I'm like, imagine going to college for four years, you're taught all these like technical skills and then you're not taught the skill to like interview. Yeah, yeah. looking back, yeah, education is horrible. It really is. Like they teach it nothing in the real world, like what you really need to know. Yes. Right? Like I never need to know the Pythagorean theory or or trigonometry, never. But I need to know like, how do I figure out like, you know, percentages when it's a, you know, you want to buy something and it's marked down to a certain percentage or how to, you know, you know, how to invest in the stock market or how to, you know, watch over your finances or just like you know, legit grown up stuff you need to know, you know, but you end up having like all this knowledge that just doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Maybe that's advice for parents too. Like when your kids are young, just start teaching them financial liter literacy, mm -hmm. media literacy, and basically how to interview for a job because you do not want to go into a job and tell them you don't have any skills. Oh my gosh. So I would, you know, we would always have over the summer, we bring in some interns and paid interns because I always hate companies that take in interns and just don't give them anything. So, and it was shocking how they, the vast majority couldn't hold a conversation, couldn't explain like what they did in college, why they have the major they have, what they're planning to do. They even had a hard time just like shaking your hand and looking in, you know, looking in your eyes. It was really odd because I just thought, you know, all parents or the school would have a program to teach people. This is, you know, people graduating. Here's what you do. You're going to go and interview. So you want to practice. What's your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You know, why, what do you want? What kind of job? What's the reason behind it? You know, be able to shake somebody's hand and look them in the eyes and have like a, a real conversation. And that's not taught at all, it seems. Even when like the phone would ring at their desks, they were like confused as to why like this, this landline was ringing. <laughs> and they would pick up and go, hello? And it's like, <laughs> tell them who you are, where you work. <laughs> oh my God, when my kids were little. You know, it, it, the phone ring and you look at the phone because we had landlines and I still have a landline because like, you know, the walls here are really super thick and, and it, you know, the, the phones sometimes just die out um, during call. And they would look at the phone and be like, like, what, uh, what's that? What do I do? They were just like, you didn't know what to do. And they, like you said, they pick it up and be like, uh, hello? <laughs> uh, so I would, yeah, so that I had to teach, here's what you do. This is what you pick up. Here's what you say. Or if you have to make a call, this is how you make a call. So they know, you know, what to do. But then the joke's on me because like no one uses phones now anyway, except, you know, to text and do everything else. So I don't know. So maybe it doesn't really matter at this point anymore. But I think that was a good way of socializing to have those conversations on the phone. Um, here's one last thing we'll talk about that's really, I find interesting from my research is that Gen Zs seem to have a different mindset about jobs and their careers. Have you, have you noticed that? Definitely. And, and I kind of touched upon it before, right? Just think that they're just rejecting the values of like the mm -hmm. traditional workplace and how things always were. They prioritize 
work-life balance, you know, remote work, just they want mission-based work. They want fulfilling work purpose as opposed to just like money, money, money. Really it's different, right? It seems that they're looking for a job that has some meaning, purpose, doing good, you know, working for a cause. Um, it also seems they want to also work for a company that shares the same values they have, whether it's political values, social issues, and, and you know, have that kind of eye, which is different. As a Gen X, that wasn't even like, wasn't even a thought like that would be, you know, when you're talking about getting a job, about what's your corporate culture, what's your, you know, social values and stuff. It was more like, okay, here's your job, shut up and do your work, which is not good. So like, I think a lot of these things that Gen Zs are bringing to the table is really super positive. It is good to say, hey, you know, I like to, to work for a company that's doing good things, not doing horrible things. You know, maybe they're not, you know, selling these pesticides that are, you know, getting on our food and killing us slowly over time. You know, maybe you know, work for places that you feel proud about, right? And have meaning and purpose. The the ENY study that I referenced earlier, it also said that Gen Z has a greater distrust towards employers as well. I thought that was interesting. Well, it kind of to me that makes sense because if you're a kid, right, and you see, depending on your age, right, let's say you've seen your go back a little bit with the dot com boom and bust, you know, lost their job, you know, their parents. Now these might not be Gen Zs because they were too young, lose their jobs. Then you have the financial crisis; hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. You know, then you have the beginning of the pandemic; hundreds of thousands of people lose their jobs. So, and then. You have a brief period when we were coming out of the pandemic and lots of jobs, great resignation. Then 2022 till now, not so much. So how can they, how should, like, why would they trust their employees? You know I mean? when, you, when you see this fact pattern of, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down, layoffs, lay, you know, layoffs, hiring, layoffs, hiring, layoffs, there's nothing there to trust. Because this is just the fact pattern that you have to go in knowing there's a good likelihood that every few years, something is going to go awry and you're going to be out of work or potential for being out of work. So why should they have trust, you know? And, that, and companies will also pledge like diversity and inclusion, like mission statements and initiatives. But then if you look at the board, it doesn't reflect what they pledge, like the mm -hmm. the having like diversity within the company or at the top of the company. And, and Gen Z is definitely taking notice of that as well. You see a lot of these things and, and, you know, young people are smart, they're intuitive. And you know what, one of the things actually of being on social media and being on their phones all the time, they have access to information that, you know, even, even as a millennial, you, and especially myself, and then, you know, older you know, generations didn't have so much access to this. So you see much more. Like, I got to tell you, just being on social media myself as, a, as, a, as an adult going through, I'm learning more now. I got to tell you, I think I've learned more in the last couple of years just, just on my own than I did in school at this point, mm -hmm. Like, but real stuff, like what's going on. So yeah. So they're looking and say, wait a minute, you're saying, hey, we're, we have these DEI initiatives and look what we're doing. And then you really look at it, you're really not doing anything. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're just saying it, you know, because you feel you have to say it. So you're saying it. And 
And when it comes to the layoffs, like how many times have you heard stories about someone working for five, 10, 15, 20 years and they get laid off by an email or like a one-sided video? So of course, there's it's reasonable for them to distrust them. Makes sense, right? I mean. I, I joke that Gen Z might not have it all figured out, but they have figured it out. <laughs> Yeah, because I think they're probably one of the first generations, right? That's going in with their eyes wide open. Like yeah. they understand, holy, this is this is effed up. <laughs> this is this this is this is crazy. This is nuts. But all right, Whew, this is it. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to make it. But but I think others kind of were indoctrinated. You know, mm -hmm. they drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, and they're like, oh, all right, I gotta get in my car. It's you know, pitch black out at six in the morning. And then I'm going to go to the train and then I'm going to wait in the cold, waiting for the train to come. And then I'm going to get off the train and then walk five blocks and it's freezing and it's still, you know, dark out, buy some like crappy breakfast and then go through the whole day and then come back. And it's like, you didn't think you th to, to question it. It was like, okay, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. This generation is like, you guys are nuts. What are you doing? That's crazy. That's crazy what you're doing. And, 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 you know, they're, they're learning from the mistakes of the older generations to say, Hey, maybe we should have flexibility in the workforce. Maybe we should have remote work, hybrid work, digital nomads, four day work weeks, flexible schedules, you know, things that you could actually have, you know, a life, a life and a work balance, which to me seems pretty reasonable. It's not asking much out of life. Right. And I definitely think that that could add to the anxiety where you're like, am I crazy or is everyone else crazy? <laughs> yeah, it's I, I I think the whole way things are set up is nuts and crazy. It really is. It's just uh, everything is, is nuts. So it's just trying to find how you could get through, <laughs> keep, 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 keep your mental health in check and just figure it out as you go along. But um, any, any, any things you think we, we, we maybe, I, there's so much more to talk about, but like any, anything else you think that's really that pretty important that we didn't bring up yet? I think we touched upon everything. I just stress, save your money because mm. I have money saved. You have more options. You don't have to stay in a bad job or, or a company that you feel is not doing right by you your values i think you have more options when you're more um financially sound and have a better financial standing absolutely and i'm a i'm a cheapskate so i'm with you on that i you know <laughs> you know because you do you you don't know what's going to happen so you want to put away money to be safe and secure because you don't want to one day wake up and say oh something terrible happened and i don't have any emergency funds so you're a hundred percent right uh, last thing, just to, to, to put it in perspective too, the numbers are showing, I, th I want to say, and I don't have it in front of me, so I could be off a little bit, about probably roughly 20 to 25% of the workforce now is comprised of Gen Zs. And then going out to like 2025 plus, we're talking about 30, 40%. So think about that for a minute. So within just a certain amount of years, there's going to be like a huge population of Gen Zs who are going to be in the workforce, you know, at least a third, if not more. 
So that's so that's why it's important now too to get a handle both the parents of the Gen Zs and the Gen Zs and other generations to get a sense of what's going on, what's their mindset, because they're going to either be your employees or they might be your employers down the road. So I think it, it behooves everyone to kind of get a better sense, even if you're not a parent of them, or even if you're not a Gen Z yourself, just to kind of get a, 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 a sense, because they're going to end up being a big part of, of the workforce. Plus, since they are kind of a little different in what they look for things, it's, they're going to probably, they're going to bring that to the table as well. I'm excited for that. I think that they're going to completely disrupt the workplace. You know, who knows if we'll have like five day work weeks anymore with like a gen, with Gen Z's like at the helm of companies and stuff. So that'll be interesting and fun to watch. Uh, you know, I, I feel that same way. I feel that by watching everything unfold, you're realizing I see where these things went wrong and what they've done. And yeah, it behooves us to make it better and figure it out and learn from their mistakes. You know, you know, the Gen Xers, the boomers, uh, you know, the millennials, everybody say, Hey, let's, let's, let's see how we can make it better. So, and then also they've been through some tough times. So I think it made them battle hard. You know what I mean? You know, that like expression, you know, you know, weak times make strong men or strong men make weak, times. you know, that kind of thing mm -hmm. where I think it's made them stronger having to see and live through a lot of these challenges. So it kind of hardened them up to be prepared as opposed to when times are great and then people are weaker because they're just like, everything's great. I don't have to try as hard. And, and here they're like, I'm used to having a thick skin and facing adversity and challenges and problems. So um, I'm ready for it. I'm battle hearted, you know? So I agree with you, Chris. I think they're going to be a really, um, I'm betting on it, that they're going to be a really great generation and add a lot of value. Especially if they have that resilience that you yeah. speak, they'll go yeah. far. All right, well, cool. So I think, I think this is a good introduction for people who may have not really thought much about it. And to be fair, why should they? You know, they don't know. Like this is a group that's kind of slowly kind of emerging and getting larger. And and now you're noticing more in the workplace. And so I think it was a good conversation for us to have to bring to the attention of what's happening. And I think so for Gen Zs who are watching this will feel validated. And if you think, you know, if you disagree with what we're saying, that's cool. Let me know. I love to hear from you, your thoughts and what's going on. Um, and then for the parents as well, who might be watching or who maybe you want to turn your parents on to watch so they get a sense of what's really happening. So, so I think this is going to be, this is really good. I think this would be really helpful for a lot of people. So Christine, thanks everyone. Thank you very much for watching. I hope, I hope this was helpful. And as always, leave comments in, in the page that Christine put out for the show. So this way, if you have questions, comments, you think, you know, you hate me, you love me, you love Chris, you hate Chris, whatever, I don't care. Because I think by having these dialogues, we all learn and we all grow and we all get better for it. So any comments, thoughts, ideas, please share it. Um, and any way we could help you, feel free to reach out to us. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening on a, you know, Monday at 10 a.m. It shows you're really career focused and motivated. And I appreciate your support, everybody. Thank you so much. Have a great day.